0: Thank you so much. Aren't you so glad the Lord is on his throne today? He is so grateful that the Holy Trinity never meets an emergency session. We're grateful for wonderful truths that we've sung about. And I believe what we've just sung about is the most fundamental of all truths That can ever grip our heart. It's the fundamental truth of the basic life in Christ, and it's this that our God is sovereign. The sovereignty of our God. When I talk about the sovereignty of God, I hope you understand that infinite and eternal and intimate and personal. Infinite and eternal, God is God, sovereign, alone, majestic, from everlasting to everlasting, He is God. There is no other. But that eternal, infinite, majestic God is also completely intimate and personal. The sovereignty of God does not just mean that God is there. It means he's here. He's right here. Sadly, I truly believe that many Christians, and I must tell you from my experience, maybe most Christians fail to recognize that aspect of the sovereignty of God. Oh, yes, we we believe that God is infinite and that he is sovereign in control over the universe. We believe, yes, he's got the whole world in his hands. But what we so fail to recognize is that God is sovereign in every detail of our lives, every day, every hour. Even to the things that he causes you to see and he causes you to hear. He's sovereign over all of that. We've got to connect the majesty of God with the minute details of our life. And My friend, when that happens, your life will be transformed you'll never be the same when you truly believe that God is sovereign in your life Amen. you'll never see things the same you'll never hear things the same you see God in his sovereign sovereignty will give us eyes to see what he wants us to see he'll give us ears to hear what we need to hear I believe that and I believe transformation first begins when by God's grace we have the ability to hear not just hear noise but to hear to listen Because when we listen, we learn. When we listen, we learn. I believe that is an essential component of every person who is ever going to be used of God to influence and impact others for Christ. It's the ability to listen. to ask and to learn. When I really am looking personally for someone, man or woman, that I'm trying to sense if God is really doing something special in their life. If I'm looking to see if someone has qualities that can make them... leader a servant leader for the lord. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for do they have the ability to listen? Not talk, speak, but listen and ask questions and learn. Listening and asking. Never before in my ministry more than in recent weeks have I done more listening and more asking because I need to learn. I need to learn. I need to keep on learning. And in order for that to happen sometimes this preacher needs to stop talking and he's now listen to ask and to listen and that is a grace from the lord it is a gracious gift of his love when we listen and that's my theme today and i believe god is in his sovereign timing put us in this passage luke chapter 6 this is where god's brought us as we've been Making a journey through his word. He's brought us to Luke chapter 6. And I believe the timing is sovereign for me and I trust for you. Because what I think the Lord would have for us this morning is this theme that I want to share with you from this passage in Luke chapter 6. It's this theme, love listens. Love listens. I want to begin this message, and I want to end this message the same way in prayer. Would you pray with me, Lord? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my strength and my Redeemer. O Lord, send out your light and truth through your words today. For your glory, for your people, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in a very noisy neighborhood. Now, I mean noisy. First of all, because the houses were so close together. And there was no air conditioning in our houses. So in the summertime, the windows were open. Amazing what you could hear when all those windows opened. We used to say somebody could sneeze. Other people, your neighbors would say, God bless you. Houses were close together. Just a few blocks behind my house was a large Chrysler Corporation plant where my dad worked for 33 years. It was noisy. It was... A place where parts were hammered, hammered and hammered and produced and then shipped off to Detroit for assembly. So all three shifts, the noise of those hammers, noise of those engines, machines, always there. And then on top of that, my house was next to a railroad track. Railroad track coming back and forth from that Chrysler plant. And so sometimes people would come to be our guest. And the noise would just startle them. Startle them. I remember when I started dating Susan. She'd say about our family, you're so loud. You're so loud. I said, we're not loud. But we were. It sounded like we have an argument all the time. We were just talking. You had to be loud. To be heard. People would come as guests and they would be startled by the noise. And you know what? We'd gotten so used to the noise, we didn't hear it anymore. So used to the noise, we didn't hear it anymore. My friends, we live in a society of noise. A society of noise, the noise of voices. And we've gotten so used to thousands of voices bombarding us every week that we don't even recognize the noise of it all. There's something we have to remember, friend, in the noise of these voices. Listen carefully. All voices are not created equal. All voices are not created equal. And most of all, our Creator's voice has no equal. There is no voice equal to the Creator's voice. He speaks. We listen. He directs. We follow. He said it this way when he was on earth, our master, our king, our God. Jesus said this. John 10:27, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear." My voice, and I know them, and they follow me. His voice is the voice we must hear and we must follow. Brothers and sisters, listen to me this morning. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. The kingdom of God is not a democracy, it's a kingdom, which means there is a king. We are not citizens, you and me, through salvation. We We are not citizens of a democracy, we are citizens of an absolute monarchy. And there couldn't be a better government than the absolute monarchy of the king of the ages, Jesus Christ, who is infinite in his wisdom, almighty in his power, and everlasting in his mercy and kindness. There's no better government than the kingdom of our God. It is a monarchy. And my friends... We live, you and me, and we worship in the visible expression of the kingdom. What is on earth the visible expression of the invisible kingdom? It is the local church. The local church is not a democracy. The local church has a chief shepherd and the chief shepherd is the real lead pastor. His name is Jesus. He is the shepherd of his flock wherever it gathers. It is not a democracy. It is an expression of his kingdom, and every church has as its leader, the shepherd of the flock, Jesus Christ. We need to hear this, my brothers and sisters. Christ's commandments are our constitution. Christ's commandments are our constitution. This is our constitution. This. This is the constitution of the kingdom of God. It is the word of our king. And we are citizens in his kingdom. This is our constitution. My focus today that I want us to share is to listen carefully to our king and understand what is, what is it that he commands? What is it that he commands? If he is our king and he's given us his constitution, what is it that he commands? Well, look at verse 27 in Luke 6. And I want us just to focus here today. Verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. What is the king's command? The king's command, all wrapped up into one, is this. Love. Love. Listen to our Master. Are you a Christian? Listen to our Master. I say to you who hear, I say to you who will listen. Love. Love. Now, love whom? If we're commanded to love, then whom are we to love? Do do we have to love everybody? And I want you to know, absolutely not. You don't have to love everybody. Bible's very clear. You only have to love three kinds of people. This is going to help you today. You only have to love three kinds of people. You have to love people who are like you. People who are not like you, and people who don't like you. (laughs) Other than that, you don't have to love anybody. Just love people who are like you, love people who are not like you, and love people who don't like you. See how easy? The rest of this passage, Jesus opens up about loving people who don't like you. We'll look at that next time. Because right now we need to stop before we go to loving people who don't like us. And we just need to stop on love. Jesus says, listen up. I want you to love out. Listen up. You hear this. Love. My focus today... Is love must begin with listening. Love must begin with listening. And it begins with listening to Jesus. Listening to Jesus. Friends, before we speak, we need to listen. Someone has said that's the reason God gave you two ears and one mouth. Because we need to listen about twice as much, at least, as we talk. And who do we need to listen to? We need to listen to Jesus above all. Why? Because we speak for Jesus. We can't speak for Jesus if we don't listen to him. We can't say what he says if we don't know what he says. We've got to listen. I ask you today, honestly, for whom do you speak? For whom do you speak? The honest answer to that across this country in Bible-believing churches. The answer to that from so many and perhaps from most. The honest answer would be this. Well, I speak for myself. I give my opinion. Many would say that. And may I answer that. You don't have that right. You don't have the right. To speak for yourself. And to give your opinion. You say, whoa, 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 Sam. Wait one minute. I have a constitutional right to free speech. Which constitution? This constitution does not give you the right to say whatever you want to say. It doesn't give you the right to share your opinion. What this does is says... We are to say what God says. Now, is that freedom? What is greater freedom than that? This book says, if Christ makes you free, you are free indeed, right? Christians of all people are the most free. We are free from the oppressor of Satan. And guess what? We're we're free from our own self-oppression. When the Lord saves us, He saves us from ourselves. Do we understand this? When you are saved, it's not that you're saved just from your sins, as if your sins are something objectively away from you. Your sins and my sins are us. He saves us from ourselves. We are His and now we're free and we are free to speak for him, to say what he says. This is the greatest freedom, not to share your own opinion, not to share your own thoughts, but to share what God says. Your thoughts based on his thoughts, your opinions based on his truth. My friends, brothers and sisters, what we have currently going on in our country. Sadly, is is thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people every day who profess that they are Christians and they are going out on the social media and they are involving themselves in atheistic conversations. They know the Lord, they, He is their Savior, He is their Redeemer. But they go out in their text, they go out in their post, they go out in what they promote, they go out in what they send forward to others and it has nothing to do with God. It is just practical atheism. Amen. Someone's opinion of politics, someone's opinion. Of what is right and what is wrong, rather than, here's what God says, here's what Jesus says. My friends, see, we speak for Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing? To be able to speak for Christ. And in order to do that, we have to listen. We have to listen to Christ. So we can learn, so we can say what he says. And that's what love does. What is it love does? Love listens and love learns. That's the second point I share with you this morning. Love listens and love learns. What is a disciple? I think that's pretty important because if you look back in chapter 6, look in chapter 6, verse 20. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples. What is a disciple? Do we know what the word disciple means? You know what the word disciple means? It means learner. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. That presupposes if you're a learner, then you have a, with me, teacher. That's right. We have a teacher, a disciple of Jesus. What is a disciple of Jesus? And A disciple of Jesus is a lifelong learner from Jesus. A lifelong learner of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. It's who we are and what we will be doing until we know, even as we're known, as Doug read earlier from 1 Corinthians 13. We're lifelong learners. Now, that begs the question what's what's the goal of learning? What's the goal of learning? It's not information, the goal of learning from Jesus is not information. First of all, the goal of learning from Jesus is transformation. It's transformation. That means change. What a scary thought that is for some of us. The Lord wants us to change. Yeah. To become what? He wants us to change to become what? To become more like him. How do I know that? Look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. Listen to the king. A disciple, a learner, is not above his teacher. But everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Teacher. Now, he did not say you will be as smart as your teacher. Guess what? That's never going to happen. Not even in heaven will that happen. You will not be omniscient even in heaven. You're never going to know everything that your teacher knows. But that's not the goal. The goal is not to know as much as Jesus knows. What's his goal? To make us more like himself. A disciple, a learner, is being changed to become more like his or her teacher. That is God's plan, that's what he wants. He wants you as someone who you are an image bearer by your birth. You are an image bearer of God. All human beings are image bearers of God. Male, female, every ethnic background. All are image bearers. But we are broken image bearers. We are rebel image bearers. But God in his love sent his son... The perfect image bearer. So that by his love he would die taking the sins of us sinful image bearers on himself. And he would die in our place. He would conquer death which we deserve because of our rebel life as sinners. As rebel image bearers. He overcame death for us so that what? A process of transformation could start in our lives. That when by faith you trust Jesus Christ. When by faith your hope of your eternal salvation is in Jesus. It is a process that's begun. It is a metamorphosis that is the word. Where God is changing you inside out to make you more like Jesus. What a God we serve. What a plan! That's his plan for you. That's his plan for me. Here's how Peter said it. Peter was there that day. Here's how he said it decades later. Here he is, an old man, but what's his desire? 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice how we're to grow. Grow in grace and grow in knowledge. Grow in grace, that's our heart. Grow in knowledge, that's our mind. That we grow in our heart, in our mind. We grow in our spirit. We grow in truth. Grow in grace and knowledge. This is the process of sanctification. You see, when you are born again, listen carefully. You are completely and totally saved as far as your salvation is concerned. You are saved. But you're not yet all God wants you to be. It's a process of sanctification. You're set apart. You're sanctified, you now belong to God, but now He's going to start working on you. Making you more like Jesus. That's His goal. This is the process of sanctification. It's for all of us as believers. Now, here's the question. What are the sources of growth? What does the Lord use to help us grow? There are many, many sources that he uses but there are just two that I'll mention one briefly and then the other in conclusion he uses first of all what are the sources that god uses for our growth number 1 we learn from the experiences and the expressions of christ the experiences and expressions of christ we learn from the gospels The experiences and the expressions of Christ. And we learn from those who heard Him. And those that anointed. Who interpret Him to us. The epistles of the New Testament. We learn from the experiences and the expressions of Christ. That's number one. And number two. How do we grow? Through the experiences of and expressions of Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We learn from each other. Th- that's the reason the New Testament is filled with that expression, one another, one another, one another. I believe it's used about a hundred times. Why? Because. We need each other. We learn from each other. We learn from each other's examples. We learn from each other's experiences. And from time to time, we learn from each other's exhortation. Now, if you've been here any time at all, you know that I love history. I'm a history nut. Some of you might say, well, we'll us take that modifier history off. Okay, you're a nut. <laughs> I am a history nut and of the history that I enjoy the most it's biographies. I love the biographies of men and women, love to read of their lives, but most of all, autobiographies. I love to read autobiographies because then you get to read about the triumphs and the trials of an individual's life in his or her own words. Their triumphs and their trials. Now I have a question for you. Do we learn most from someone sharing their triumphs or sharing their trials? You know, to be honest, sometimes when we just hear people sharing their triumphs again and again, we just fade. But when someone starts to talk about their trial, there's just something that clicks. We zone in. There's a vulnerability. There's an openness. There's an opportunity to hear, to listen. You see, it is trials that equip our brothers and sisters to minister to us. It is our trials that equip us to minister to our brothers and sisters. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our afflictions that we may comfort others. With that comfort we have experienced in our affliction. That's the message that's contained there. The key here is the trial of others. They teach us we need to listen. We need to listen to our brothers and sisters as they share about their trials. Now let me give you an illustration of that. I stood here Friday night, and I was honored to have a part in the celebration of life service for one of our dear members, Eddie Hackleton. What a unique man. What a sweet man. What a champion for Christ he was. But he spoke the strongest these last five years. Because for the last five years he's battled ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And this man who could pick up 80, 100 pound bale under every arm, incredibly strong, reached the point where he couldn't speak, he couldn't move. He could communicate only by his eyes through a stylus that would print words and sometimes, yes, imitate his voice. Listen, his pain was God's megaphone. His pain was God's megaphone. Hundreds, thousands of Christians and non-Christians, they listened and learned and were impacted by Eddie Hackleton these five years as through his terrible trial, God gave him a megaphone. Of the Lord's grace and strength and mercy. And people heard the message of the Lord through that megaphone of pain. Now my friends, listen carefully. We have brothers and sisters in our congregation. We have brothers and sisters in our congregation who have been hurting. ...all their lives. All their lives they have known deep, unrelenting, internal pain of prejudice and racism. In their trials, they have experienced what most of us in this room have never known. We have never known what most of them have experienced throughout their lives. Their pain is God's megaphone to us. Their pain, what they have to say about what they've experienced and how they met God in those experiences, is a megaphone for God to teach us through their voices. We can learn from them. They can help us grow in grace and grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior. The question is, will we listen? Will we listen? For the most part, it is my estimation that across this land... The evangelical church isn't listening. We aren't listening. Listen, we aren't listening to our own brothers and sisters. I'm not talking about the cacophony of noise out in the streets. I'm not talking about those thousands of voices raging. I'm talking about people Who are our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Who are part of our fellowship. Who share with us in the kingdom of God. We're not listening to their voices. We've gotten so used to the noise. And so angry about the noise. We can hear the voices. That God's put right in our congregation. And they have the megaphone for us to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. I confess to you, I have not listened. I have not listened nearly enough. But I want to say to you, I'm listening now. I'm listening now. Our elders are listening to our brothers and sisters. This past Wednesday night, two and a half hours, the elders of this congregation listened to each other. We talked, we listened to conversation. Trying to learn and grow. Brothers and sisters, we are going to listen. We are going to learn. We're going to learn more. We are going to change because the Lord's not done with us. He wants to make us more and more as his body of believers here at West Park. He wants to make us more and more like the body of believers that's in heaven that we will join someday. That's what he wants. He wants us to reflect his heart for all people. Someone here says, I think Sam's now preaching a social gospel. I just want to tell you right up front, you might not want to say that directly to me, I'm not that good a Christian. If by now you don't know the gospel is social, I don't know what Bible you're reading. If you don't know that the gospel of Jesus Christ works out justice, mercy, compassion, and changes communities life at a time. If you don't understand that, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but do not say that's a social gospel. Because the gospel that changes people's hearts changes their lives. And what is a church but a congregation of individuals? What is a community but a group of individuals? How is this world changed one life at a time by the power of Jesus Christ? Amen. One way we're going to listen and we're going to listen. We're going to have gatherings. They've already started. I want them to start in small groups. They've already started with me. I've done more listening. I've had more gatherings. And I've listened to my black brothers and sisters. Other brothers and sisters of minority ethnic groups here in this culture. I've listened to them more than ever. And in our groups we're going to have love listen gatherings and we're going to gather as church from time to time just to talk about love listens about these issues that are gospel issues of breaking down barriers of sin that sin expressed expressed in racism prejudice We're going to give our brothers and sisters an opportunity to use that megaphone of pain that God's given them to speak his word into our hearts. What's this look like? Here's what it means, folks. It means growing beyond sympathy. The Lord wants us to grow beyond sympathy. You see... There's two words that are very similar, but they're not the same. Sympathy and empathy. How are they different? Well, maybe this can help you. Sympathy is sadness that someone's feet hurt. Empathy is walking in their shoes. Maybe I can be a little more direct in the season in which we're in in this country. Sympathy is sorrow for George Floyd's death. Empathy is feeling the the knee on his neck and the terror of his suffocation. Empathy is feeling the knee on the neck and the terror of suffocation. Sympathy and empathy combined are so powerful because you know what? It, they conquer. Sympathy and empathy together conquer apathy. Apathy. Love is not apathetic. Love is not apathetic. Love does not say, well, we've come so far. Are you willing to say that about any other sin? Well, I used to sin 100% of the time. Now I only sin 80% of the time. I'm good. Love is not apathetic. Love acts. And love does. Love is not apathetic. Apathy is not Christian and apathy is not Christ-like. Again, aren't we grateful that Jesus was an apathetic toward us? An apathetic Christian, then, is a pathetic Christian. An apathetic Christian is a pathetic Christian. Now, I want to ask you, does, does that make you feel uncomfortable? Me too. Yes. You know what? Listen carefully. It's good to be uncomfortable. Because when you're uncomfortable, you change your position. Love listens. Love learns. And love looks. You say, oh my goodness, he's got a third point. No, that's next time. Relax. But where does love look first? Love looks up. Love looks up to listen and learn from the Lord of love. We started with prayer. I want to close in prayer. And then we're going to sing a prayer. Because we can't do this. We can't. I can't. You can't. But Jesus can. And He will. Lord Jesus, hear our confession. We need you. Oh, we need you. Our nation needs you, oh God. Our community needs you, Lord Jesus. Our churches need you, Lord Jesus. We need you, Lord Jesus. I need you, Lord Jesus, to help me grow in grace and in knowledge to listen, to learn, so that I can speak in love. We need you, oh Lord, we need you. Hear our prayer that we sing to you now. Amen.